Presents Football Time. Yay, and welcome to the Football Time Show. Week 16 is in the books, and things are becoming a little bit clearer for that playoff picture. Uh, next week is not the last week, though, as one might think. Two weeks to go in this NFL season. I know it's uh, just one extra week, but uh, I don't. I feel like we've been watching NFL football, or at least trying to get these shows in uh, for quite a while here. Uh, so uh, interesting uh, games this weekend. Uh, I'm curious your takes on a handful of these and uh, see how this uh, playoff picture begins to uh, fill out. Are you ready to get into our Week 16 games? Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, as you said, we got two weeks left to go, and it does feel like a, it's been a, a bit of a long season, and at times it feels like too long because uh, obviously, you know, it gets a little uh, stagnant at some point, and then sometimes it feels like it's not long enough, so uh, that's the NFL for you. Yeah, I, I think once the playoffs get there, uh, I think we'll get a little bit more entertained. I, I think it's just some of these football games, even with, like, uh, quality teams. I mean, that Raiders-Broncos game, we'll get into it, but... Uh, one of those teams is probably going to end up in the playoffs, and they are both really, really bad to watch uh, play football. But uh, let's kick off with the best team, I, I think, right now in the NFL with a 24-22 win over the Cleveland Browns. This probably put the uh, death nail into the Browns for the playoff-wise. Uh, they would have to win out. Uh, if they win out, they might be able to sneak in there. But uh, the way they're playing, I don't know if that's the thing. The Packers did their thing where they got out to a, a pretty big lead here and just sort of protected it and ran out the clock. Uh, I, I don't always love that strategy. I, I thought the Packers' defense has looked a little soft the last, you know, couple weeks. Uh, I, I thought it looked soft again. Chubb was, uh, you know, churning them up and, uh you know, I, I think in, when we do our off-season shows, we're going to have to have a real, real uh, deep, deep discussion uh, about uh, what they're going to do with uh, Baker Mayfield here. But uh, apparently he thought he had gotten traded to the Packers uh, at some point this week. Uh, he was just brutal uh, in this game and uh, just uh, an interesting game overall. What would you make of the Packers-Browns 24-22 for the Pack? You know, a little bit of a surprise to me, uh, the way the game played out. I kind of anticipated the Packers, I wouldn't say dominating, but at least, you know, really putting their, their foot down, uh, you know, the Browns' throat and establishing why they're, you know, considered to be the best team in the NFL right now. Uh, but I don't think it really happened that way. To me, the Browns' defense at times looked really, really good, and they were doing just enough to try and keep their team in it. As you mentioned, Baker uh, must have thought he was playing for the Packers because he was just throwing interceptions left and right. And some of them, yeah, some of them weren't necessarily his fault, but I mean, there was a couple there where I was sitting there scratching my head wondering they could just bring it just about anybody off the street. And they'll probably even better than the way he was doing. Yeah. But you know, the, everything said, you know, the Packers, they didn't win the game. Uh, you know, it wasn't pretty, um, especially how tight it was, even with all the turnovers, but you know, Aaron Rodgers gets that big milestone where he surpasses Brett Favre's, uh, you know, touchdown record and they get the win. So I think overall it's a good night if you're a Green Bay fan. Yeah, definitely. So and you mentioned one of those might not be, you know, Baker's fault, but there, there were like two others that the Packers dropped that were also, you know, one of those where it could go 50, 50. So it, it, 
just a really, really bad showing. And I, I just, you know, this Cleveland Browns play, uh, I, I think it was summed up. They were driving down for that, uh, you know, game-winning uh, field goal. I think they had about 140 left. They had all their timeouts. And, you know, Chubb was just churning these Packers up. And they used Chubb to get all the way down to that 50-yard line. And then for some reason, they just decided to throw the ball. Uh, Why? I don't know. Uh, Why not just get the ball in Chubb's hands? But, of course, that led to another Baker Mayfield interception on a a bad throw, uh, wrong route. Uh, You know, Baker took responsibility for not throwing it in the right place. So I'm assuming the receiver ran the right route. He just didn't put it in the right place. But, uh, you know, I, I think this probably ends the Browns' season. They do have two division games left. So, theoretically, if they win the next two, they can, you know, end up winning the division if Cincinnati uh, were to lose probably this weekend to Kansas City. I doubt they're going to lose the next week. Uh, but, you know, Cincinnati does have a trip-up game here versus Kansas City. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, I-, I wanted to get into the Packers a little bit here. Definitely probably the favorite going in on the NFC side of things. But uh how worrying have you been about this defense the last couple weeks? I mean, I mentioned just how, you know, Chubb turned them up. And basically, I, I think if you had put a quarterback off the street into this game, I, I think the Browns would have won it. Now, you say that, and then maybe the Packers, you know, hit the, you know, press button on the offensive side of thing and try to score more points. It's hard to get a read there, but uh, I, I just think this defense hasn't looked as good as it did sort of in that middle tier uh, of the season. Yeah, I mean, listen, as the as a casual fan of just football, I think that you're looking at this Packers situation, you're probably a little concerned. Uh, as you mentioned, they haven't looked great. They, they look okay, but they haven't looked great. They don't look, uh, you know, playoff bound um, the way they're playing lately. As we mentioned, they struggled a little bit going up against this uh, Browns team. You know, even with all those turnovers, uh, it was still a tight score. And I know the game didn't quite look that way to the naked eye. But, you know, the, obviously the most important thing is the final scoreboard and, and the final outcome of that. So as a casual fan, I would say I'm a little concerned, but I think that if you're a Packer fan, you got to kind of think that this team has been quiet all season long. You really haven't heard about the Packers uh, up until, you know, we got towards the latter end of the season. Once we start talking playoffs, that's when the Packers really started to come up, uh, you know, in sports media. And not to say that they have been recognized. They obviously have, but they're very quiet this year unlike most years where Aaron Rodgers is just the talk of the town. So maybe they're, you know, keeping a little secret, uh, you know, hidden underneath the sleeve and they're just getting ready for the playoffs to, to really uh, show everybody what they've got. But, uh, you know, I, it's got to be a little concerning. I mean, at least to me, I don't know what you think. I, I think it's a little concerning. Yeah, I, I'm a little concerned now. You know, that being said, they, they still have some guys hurt and, and it's not, you know, they should be able to get those guys back in the, uh, you know, fold. Now, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to the Tampa Bay game. They lost Shaq Barrett probably, you know, at least, you know, for a handful of weeks here. So, you know, things are starting to, you know, spurn not the Bucks' way with all the injuries. This is why it's so hard to sort of repeat. One season, they probably had all the injury luck in the world and a couple bounces went their way. This season, it seems like, you know, each week, it's a new one of their top-tier guys getting hurt. Uh, you know, 
we'll get to the Arizona Cardinals in our next game. Uh, I don't think anybody is really, really worried uh, too much about them right now. Uh, you mentioned we mentioned San Francisco a couple weeks ago, maybe starting to peak, but now they might not even get into the playoffs. Uh, Dallas looked good this week, but they've you know struggled a little bit, and uh, we'll get into your Rams too, who have uh, seemed to get the defense back on track, but. Uh, you know, uh, quarterback-wise, I, I I think you're entering into a zone uh, that we were in probably the last couple of years as well where you don't know how much you trust that quarterback. So how much is it a detriment to Green Bay? I don't know, but uh, I, I think everybody is flawed right now in that NFC. So it's probably just going to be who's playing well at the time, who goes in hot. Uh, but uh, I, I am getting a little bit concerned about this Green Bay defense. A- and I never loved their strategy. It's always been with LaFleur, where they get up. They got up big in this game. I, I think it was, you know, 21-7 uh, you know, or 21-6 because the uh, kicker missed the extra point. A- and then they just sort of slow play things and, you know, try to just run the clock out. Now, granted, that wins you football games. Uh, I, I don't know if you can complain about them the last three seasons. Because they went about 13 games a season. Uh, but I think that might come back to bite you a little bit in the playoffs. All right, next up, we'll get into the Indianapolis Colts and the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Cardinals Um this was one of my bets. Even with the whole Colts offensive line going out, uh, that line went up to about uh, three and a half for the Colts getting plus. And, uh, you know, I, I still had no qualms about taking it just because I, I trusted this Colts defense to keep us in it. They did. Uh, Jonathan Taylor didn't run as productive, but still had 108 yards on 27 carries. Uh, 22-16 the win. Uh, once again, Arizona's offense. Um just looks porous and looks really poor without DeAndre Hopkins. I, I thought Kyler Murray looked really, really bad uh, once again. Uh, so what do you make of the Cardinals here? What do you make of the Colts? You know, the Colts, man, for a team that at I would say about five weeks into the season looked like they were uh, you know, going to go from playing for first – to probably last in their season 0 and 3, and they've won uh, like seven games at this point. Kind of like the Dolphins, you know, a big turnaround for this team, and, and they're playing really good football to the point where I think in a lot of people's minds, the Colts are considered to be favorites going into the, you know, into the playoffs here. Um, they obviously have some work to do to get in there. It's not guaranteed quite yet that they're going to get in, so they still have some work to do, but. Man, it is team hot, and, and it's one well, compared to the Cardinals, who have actually been kind of a slump lately. And I'm not going to say it because I'm sure a lot of people are going to assume that I'm just being a hater here, but this is kind of – as we got towards the latter end of the season, they started flailing a little bit. And I don't want to say it's happening again, but it, it sure seems like it is. Uh, but listen, big win for it ties up the record with the Rams uh, in the NFC West. And now it's anybody's game. It's all about winning games now. 
Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I didn't want to break in, but I, I don't know if you know the news, but uh, Carson Wentz went on the COVID list today. So he's probably not going to be eligible to play in the Las Vegas game this week. But, I mean, let's be realistic here. And, and all due respect to Carson Wentz, big plays in certain moments but this team is built like it was last season when philip rivers was under center and it's play good defense and run the ball well and that's how this team is built so i i I think it's it's definitely a downgrade but i i think this team can still get it done the problem is it's like a real real downgrade it's sam ellinger who's going to come in and uh that's that's bordering the tears of not even an NFL level quarterback. In fact, he's not an NFL level quarterback. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I don't think it could come at a worse time because you're probably the hottest team in the league. And uh, now you're going up against the Raiders who have, you know, new life. And this is a really, really big playoff game. We'll get to more on that on Friday. Technically speaking, um, he can uh, test negative uh, if he's a, uh, if he's just a close contact, but uh, he's also unvaccinated. Uh, so if it's a actual positive test, he won't be back. He might not even be back, technically speaking, for the last game of the season either. So uh, it, it's that puts an interesting wrinkle, but we'll get to the, the game at hand. Uh, once again, I, I just thought the Colts played well. Defense looked, you know, good. I, I think you can spread it out and sort of pass on these Colts, but, uh, you know, it just doesn't seem like the Cardinals are capable of doing that anymore. And uh, I, I'm just happy I took the under 11.5 Cardinals and the uh, Rams division uh, win on Friday. <laughs> so uh, th- those are both looking quite, quite nicely right now. But uh, overall, the Colts, 9-6. and six. If they can find one win here and get to 10-7, uh, and seven, I-, I think they lock in their playoff spot. And uh, become a pretty dangerous team here, though. Uh, right now, uh, they're locked up against Buffalo. So um, <laughs> I don't know if that's quite who they want to go up against, though. Uh, you know, they beat them pretty bad in the regular season. Uh, flip things over on the Cardinals. Uh, they got lucky by the Niners' loss, really. Uh, so they pretty much clinched a playoff spot here at 10-5. and five. But uh, I pretty much think everybody is raising their hand ready for that first round matchup in the playoffs. I think everybody wants a piece of those Cardinals uh, in that first round playoff matchup. I mean, yeah, for a team that we were all raving about literally just three weeks ago, you know, if you ever wanted to face the Cardinals, you probably want to face them right now. So yeah, they might come in there with like a five or six game losing streak. So uh, yeah, definitely. All right, uh, we'll move on to the next game. We don't have to touch on it too much, though I I should probably tell you, uh, yes, the Falcons were awful, but uh, yes, the Falcons remain in the playoff hunt. Um, I I think we both talked about it on um, Friday that uh, we did not want any part of this game, though we thought the Falcons would win. Uh, Indeed, they won, but uh, somehow uh, with... Basically, no one on the Lions, who I literally know, uh, Tim Boyle was playing quarterback. Uh, I looked up Craig Reynolds last week, so I sort of know who he was. Um, but overall, uh, I, I guess the 
we we you just said it's about getting the W. Uh, the Falcons got the W, but I, I can't think of a more least impressive team of getting a W here. Uh, who needs a last-second drive to basically beat a, a replacement-level team in the Detroit Lions coming to their home? Yeah, I mean, listen, not to spend too much time on it, but just the way this game played out, it, listen, it, not to be disrespectful to any of the fan bases here, but this was just bad football. Uh, and I think that if Jared Goff plays in this game, we probably talk about a, a loss for the uh, Falcons and oh, a win for the sure Lions. It. <laughs> it is just bad football. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, I'm hoping uh, to God's end that Buffalo does not let down and knocks these Falcons out of here because uh, I'm pretty much sick of talking about them. But uh, they are now seven and team. eight. Uh, they're you know. If they went out, uh, you know, at uh, nine and eight, they could be right there in the playoff mix. Uh, I spoke about everybody wanting to play uh, Arizona. I think a lot of people would be jumping on the Atlanta band. Could you I don't imagine know that? if there's ever been a 20-point spread in a playoff game, but I'm uh, willing to bet from the spreads I've seen so far early this week, uh, that one would start to push the limits. Oh, gosh. I, I wouldn't even want to watch it to be completely <laughs> honest with you. You would, because it's probably going to be your Rams who they're playing. Listen, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We still, <laughs> we got a playoff spot. We still, seating's important here. All right, uh, we'll go to the uh, next game. We don't have to touch a ton on this one. Uh, we can uh, bash uh, Matt Rule a little bit, uh, who's I, apparently trying to get himself fired, and then, of course, compared himself and the team to Jay-Z, and it's a seven-year process. I don't know what NFL team gets seven years to build their team. Uh, none that I've known, uh, at least recently, maybe in the 1950s when no one knew what the hell was going on. But uh, anyway, um, you'll be stunned. The uh, two quarterback systems of having two bad quarterbacks uh, did not work uh, all that well. 32 to 6 for the Bucks. Um, it was a pretty ho hum victory. Uh, Tampa didn't have to do all that much. I mentioned uh, really the only thing coming out of this game is uh, Shaq Barrett, uh, you know, got hurt. He's probably sketchy for the playoffs, is what I'd say. And that's just, it's another piece on this Buccaneers team that's, you know, banged up. So, uh, Talk about the game and then what you're seeing from the uh, Buccaneers here. I mean, the game. I, I really wanted to, to go off about this game because uh, I was forced to watch it. And I really have nothing nice to say, so I'm just going to hold it because I might have to go get into it a little bit later on on the show. Uh, but this is just the, – the, I don't know what's going on with the Panthers. It seems as if they're really trying to tank as much as they can. And, and as you mentioned, it looks like they're trying to build for the future here. They're not trying to win in the present. Uh, but when you mentioned the whole Jay-Z thing, for a second there, I thought you were going to say it's a hard knock life because <laughs> that's exactly what it is with these guys. It's not nice, man. It's They got completely destroyed, and I understand that the Bucks are a good team. you know. But you play each other so many times, you should at least – have something up your sleeve ready for this matchup, uh, especially with divisional matches being so important. And it was just a bad performance overall. You know, good win for the Bucks. Unfortunately, they had a big uh, injury, as you mentioned, and it could be a potentially serious one going into the playoffs. But when you got Tom Brady, I think you at least uh, have that extra bit of confidence 
uh, to get you past this stuff. So good win for them. Uh, really, really bad loss for the Panthers. Yeah, uh, it's a good thing they're tanking uh, because uh, it's like this draft is loaded with quarterbacks. Oh, wait, it, it's not. So, uh, I, but I, they have two. Yes, they have two. Uh, who proceeded to go like twenty-two for forty-four for. I, I think about 210 yards, uh, 65 of which were on one play. So um, <laughs> anyway, Carolina's really, really bad right now. Uh, I'm pretty much done watching them all season long. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll see if the uh, two-quarterback system uh, comes out. I, I'd feel a little bit more confident in it if I thought either of them were capable of completing passes. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll move on to the next game. Uh, this one was uh, L blowout. Uh, you know, uh, we went from Tyler Huntley down to Josh Johnson, who I now think has been the emergency COVID quarterback for about three different teams this season. Um, Bengals offense looked good. They look to be flying here, but uh, it's a little bit hard to judge this game because I also, with the uh, – quarterback that was randomly signed uh they also came with like the ravens did with about 14 or 15 defensive players which is all they had on the roster uh so it's a little hard to judge this game all i could say is the Bengals looked uh pretty good here uh we'll see if they could close this season out uh they got a couple tough ones here to close out with the chiefs and uh then another division game with cleveland so uh What'd you make of this game? It's really just hard to say anything about the Ravens because this isn't even the Ravens that are playing right now. Yeah, exactly. As you mentioned, that it's it's hard to judge on the Ravens side of the ball. So I wouldn't even bother, uh, you know, jumping into the Ravens here, uh, simply because just with the lack of players that they had, uh, and as you mentioned, going into their emergency quarterback, uh, just trying, you know, compete in a football game, not the best scenario. So we won't get too much into them, but. As far as Cincinnati goes, listen, it was a really important win for them. Uh, it puts them in a really strong position to, you know, lock in that playoff berth. And I think it builds confidence for a team that was playing really good football and then had a huge drop-off, and it seemed like they couldn't climb out of that hole. Um, it's, it's definitely a good confidence booster for them going forward, beating a divisional rival like this. Uh, and not just that, but you look at the stat line across the board, and it just looked like a really sexy game, you know, something for the media to talk, uh, talk about basically all week long. Um, and like you said, you know, you feel good, you play good. So maybe going forward into next week, uh, this is something that'll give them a little extra incentive to play better. Yeah, definitely. So it'll be interesting, uh, this week versus the chiefs, uh, with Cincinnati, uh, to sort of see where they really, really are. Uh, you know, COVID, uh, suspensions, uh, pending, you know, but, uh, it should be interesting to see if that offense can come in and uh, do those same sort of things on the Kansas City Chiefs if their defense can come in and slow down the Kansas City Chiefs because uh, they look right now like probably the best team in the AFC. And then there's probably a little mix there uh, with Buffalo, Cincinnati, uh, a, you know, a couple others in there to see who's that uh, next tier who can fight KC for that. But, uh, you know, there's just nothing you could say about the Ravens. They didn't they barely had enough guys to fill the defensive side of the ball, and they're just using basically uh, replacement players on the offensive side. So a beating was coming. It came, and the Bengals made sure to uh, run up that score late, too. They were still launching 40-yard passes late into that uh, fourth quarter. But uh, we'll move to the next game, and uh, 
Uh, your cousin over here from the Los Angeles side of things, the Chargers. Um, <laughs> the redheaded stepchild. The redheaded stepchild, which indeed they are. Um, I, I will say I, I made a bet on the Texans in this one. Uh, they it got up to 13 and a half, and I just stared at that thing, and I was like, uh, I don't care how many people the Texans are missing. They're playing all replacement-level players anyway. Uh, so 22 out is 22 in. Uh, but the uh, Chargers, once again, their uh, porous rush defense. Um, Rex Burkhead had 22 carries for 149 yards. Um, I think that's more carries and more yards he had in his whole previous uh, seven-year NFL career. Um, what do you make of this Chargers team? Uh, you just can't trust them. Uh, it, 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 to lose this game, I, I get that. You know, the Texans have been a little bit spunkier on offense, uh, but they were a little bit spunkier on offense for, like, the said Jags. Uh, this is just embarrassing. And, you know, now at 8-7, and seven, they put themselves pretty much in danger of uh, making the playoffs as well. You know, this Charger team, it, it really reminds me a lot of a used car lot. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. You know, you kind of go by a used car lot and, you know, they've got the cars, they're all used up, but you got them all polished up and clean. You know, you walk by that sports car, it looks really nice and sexy from the outside. And you look at the price tag on it used, so it's got a really good deal, you know, and you're like, I think I can make this work. I think I'd look good in this. Uh, you pay for it, you get into it, and then the thing breaks down as soon as you step out of the lot. That's kind of what you got with this Chargers team. They look really good. They got so many weapons, uh, a really attractive team when you talk about just in fantasy perspective. And then you put actual film out and you look at the way this defense plays and they can't stop a nosebleed. The offense sometimes can't keep up. They can't do enough to make up for the lack of defense. Um, and they're not on every single game. There's no consistency there. As much as I like this team and the players um, and as much as I like their head coach because he's a former Ram, I think that this team has some grown up to do. There's some grown pains here that they have to go through. Um, they're going to have to take their lumps. And I think this was one of them. Uh, they probably overlooked this Houston team and, and they got what they deserved. You know, they got punched in the face and this is why they lost that game. So good, good for the Texans, you know, really stepping up and uh, taking care of business when I'm sure not a lot of people gave them a shot, but this charger team, man, like I said, used car dealership. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, I'm curious your thoughts on Brandon Staley here. Um, you know, we we gave a lot of gruff to Anthony Lynn, you know, the last, you know, couple years. I'm not noticing all that much of a difference uh, here. Uh, maybe a little bit more polish and uh, aggressiveness on the offensive side of things. Uh, but this is the same thing the Chargers were doing under Anthony Lynn is, you know, uh, crushing the Jets the week before and then coming in and losing outright to the Houston Texans who are basically trying to lose on purpose this season so they get a better draft pick. I, I just, I, I'm curious what you think of the job Brandon Staley has done so far this year. Listen, it's hard to really, you know, not judge, but it's, it's hard to really blame a guy, you know, during his first year as a head coach, especially coming off uh, the type of situation charge we're in where, they had a lot of promising young guys, but they could not put wins together. I think he's done a good job as far as, you know, turning those close games that they were in last season into actual wins. Uh, but you can tell that not much else has changed as far as the team is concerned. 
they still have trouble on defense. And as pretty as their offense looks, when you look at that roster, uh, they have they have trouble, you know, from time to time, actually, you know, putting putting pen and paper, so to speak, and actually going out there and performing. Um, the consistency is the biggest issue with this with this team uh, on, on the offense side of the ball. On defense, they they've got so many holes to plug up that I don't think one year with anybody would have made a difference. So I'm not going to blame him too much. Uh, I'd like to see him going for another year, try to add some defensive, uh, you know, pieces to the puzzle here and see if they can actually make something work. But I think he's done an okay job. I'm not going to sit here and, and praise the guy just because he was a former Ram. But you also have to look at the way things went last season. They could have been in the playoffs if it weren't for a lot of these close games that they actually lost. So they're moving up in the right direction, just not at the pace people would like them to. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I don't think you judge somebody off of the first year, but it second year, third year. Urban Meyer. Yeah, uh, that's a totally different story. <laughs> Uh, but if this continues where it's the same old thing where one week they look like they could beat uh, the best team in the league and then the next week they can't ch- shut down Rex Burkhead and the Houston Texans, you know, it's just, it'll be very interesting also this upcoming week playing the Denver Broncos uh, who really, really have a good rushing attack. Now, whether or not they Want to use that rushing attack? That's a different story. We'll get into that game and uh, that disgraceful uh, offensive performance. Uh, but it, I, they just put themselves in a really, really bad hole. I'm basically stunned after beating that Jets team last week and then having the the Chargers or the Texans right after that, that this team is going to end up probably missing the playoffs here uh, just based on losing a nonsensical game. Now, to flip things to the Texans here, uh, Davis Mills was once again pretty solid here. That puts things in an interesting situation the last couple weeks. He's been, I'd say, a solid quarterback, especially for a rookie. Now, you get into the weird sort of thing where it's the end of the season. They're playing sort of nothing games. They have nothing to lose. You know, stats come and go. How much do that do you take and go into next thinking season thinking Davis Mills is going to be your quarterback? You can then ask for a little less for Deshaun Watson and not get as, you know, hurt on that deal if you take maybe two first-round picks instead of like the four or five you were requesting there. Uh, would you feel confident going into next season with Davis Mills as your uh, starting quarterback? Or you think this is sort of just a – a little bit of, you know, late season meaningless game number padding here. And I wouldn't be, you know, ready to sign the uh, rookie extension, uh, you know, next season. Well, one, I do think it's pointless, you know, stats towards the end of the game, end of the season uh, that really don't matter. But I will say this. I, I know that it's not the most ideal situation, especially if you're a Houston Texan fan to say, oh, we're going to, you know, go with Mills next season. That's our guy. And then we can get rid of uh, Watson and, you know, possibly get a little less in return than we wanted and actually go through a trade and be able actually have some draft capital that you can utilize to either get someone in there that's going to help you or to actually build, you know, obviously because you're in a pretty bad situation if you're I'm assuming Rex Burkhead is not going to go for 150 in uh, many more games. Just Yeah, that's pretty likely. (laughs) Uh, but listen, but also 
you know, flip it to the other side of the coin. Like, you know, let's just say you don't want to go with the rookie. You're like, no, we got our quarterback and you know, he's possibly coming back next season, next season into Sean Watson. We've gone through an entire season of no to Sean Watson. We don't know what he's looking like. We don't know, you know, how good in shape he is. We don't know how football ready he is or how football ready he will be once it's time, when it comes time for him, you know, put his cleats back on. So I think there's just too many unknowns, even in the Sean Watson situation. Uh, if I it's, hope if he's I'm avoiding Houston, massages. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's uh, really stiff right now because uh, he's been avoiding him, I'm sure. But listen, if I'm the Texans, I'm probably looking to shop Watson again, and maybe you're not going to get what you asked for, and you're going to take a hit, but what if you can't play him next season either? You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the outcome of certain situations are going to be. So if if I'm the Texans, I'm probably trying to dangle him, see what I can get out there, get some feelers, and then try to work something out and use that to build towards your future uh, because everything seems uncertain right now, whether you're going to the Sean Watson road or the draft capital, uh, you know, route so it doesn't really matter i think um i personally would rather just go cheap go young and start over again yeah i i think davis mills who i was pretty critical of you know early in the season uh based on what he was in college uh, has at least earned uh the right to come into next year be the starter see what he can do and i don't think there's anything wrong with that especially since this is a light quarterback class you go in next season see what he can do and if he's not your guy, then you probably find a quarterback in that next draft. Um, so I, I think he's earned the right to maybe uh, get another look uh, next season and see if he can sort of be that uh, quarterback. I don't think he's ever going to be a you know elite world beater here, but I do think you know if he keeps this up, he could be a solid you know NFL quarterback uh, who can sort of uh, keep you in and win games, which I think uh, basically was the Houston Texans' whole time before uh, Deshaun Watson got there. So uh, we'll move on to the next game here uh, after a tough loss for the Chargers. Big win for the Rams, now 11-4, 30-23 over the Vikings. Uh, this game was really, really uh, sort of interesting because – I think we were, thought we were going to get offensive explosion here. And uh, basically, we got two quarterbacks playing really bad. A special teams touchdown. And, uh, you know, uh, I will say the Rams defense. I, I thought the last two weeks, granted, it's first a, you know, struggling Arizona outfit. And, uh, you know, the Jaguars and uh, Kirk Cousins, who uh, just look like uh complete and utter garbage. He did manage to, of course, get his numbers there at the tail end of the game once it's over uh, per, you know, the uh, always Kirk Cousins at the end of the season. You look at his numbers, looks good. You look at the wins, uh, it's always 500. Hence the 7-8 and eight record here. I'm curious your take uh, on the uh, Rams game this week. Uh, another good outing by Sony Michelle. We'll get into that after uh, you give us your, your assessment on the game this week. Yeah, <clears throat> listen, this is one game that I obviously watched very closely um, with the playoff implications on the on the line for both sides of the of the ball here. Um, I thought it was a really good game. I thought it was a fun game, and I thought it was a telling game. Um, and the most telling part to me here was the Rams' defense is starting to come alive. Uh, and maybe not every single component of that defense, but as a whole, they're really starting to come together. Um, you talk about a team in the Minnesota Vikings who – 
don't always play up to the potential in offense, but for the most part, they're a really solid team. And I know that they didn't have Cook, which really limits their uh, their their options on offense. But you know, Madison's no slouch. He's a pretty good backup, and he's shown it. You know, in the uh, the few games that he's had to play for uh, for Cook being hurt. And the Rams did a pretty good job at holding him and keeping him kind of quiet. I believe they kept him at around 50 yards or so. So I thought that in itself was a success. Um, I think it was also pretty telling that special teams is starting to turn around for the Rams. Uh, special teams, I thought, was probably one of the weakest points for this team uh, after uh, Coach Bones uh, decided to go over to Dallas and coach out there. Um, but they're, they're starting to pick it up, and they need him this week because, as you mentioned, Matthew Stafford played a very, very poor game, and he even acknowledged it, you know, in the post, uh, post-game interview where he said, it, that was a team win. That was basically that defense holding that offense down because he made too many mistakes. He's got to clean up. So at least he knows what he's doing. But it also brings to light one of the concerns I had coming into the season, which was once we get to where we're projected to go to, which is, you know, a playoff, I, I don't know how Matthew Stafford's going to deal with it. I know he's only been there, you know, so – I don't know if the moment's going to be too big for him or what the situation is going to be like now that he's a more mature quarterback, but I really hope it's not the case. Uh, I want him to do well, obviously, but I do think that it's got to be something that's got to be lingering in the back of Ram fans' minds right now. Yeah. Uh, now, I think you can get away with it. Probably not, you know, all the way, but uh, we mentioned Sony Michelle. This is, you know, the third or fourth really, really good game he's had in a row. Now, uh, what do we trust here? Because I, I think both you and I have sort of watched Sony Michelle uh, a lot of his career. Um, I don't think either of us, you know, really thought special running back here capable of, you know, carrying a team like he's done the last couple of weeks. Are you believing this hype or are you going in the playoffs? Are we going to get that 27 carries, 130 yards, or is it just we'll take it right now? and sort of hope we can piece it together in the playoffs with our defense. First off, I'll start off by saying this. <clears throat> when the whole uh, conversation came up about Henderson versus uh, Michelle, I, I was more on the Henderson side. I thought Henderson looked more explosive uh, when it came to actually running the ball. He did have uh, a, one carry for 17 yards, so that's a 17-yard per carry average. <laughs> I mean, it looks great, <laughs> but – I have to I have to admit that I'm very impressed with the way Sony's been running the ball. Um, he runs hard. He doesn't look like it. When you're watching the game, he looks very slow. He looks lethargic, you know, almost kind of like a sloth uh, where he's just moving very slowly, but he's always moving forward. Uh, it reminds me almost of, uh, can't, can't, for some reason, I can't, I'm drawing a blank when I'm thinking of this running back, um, Tampa Bay, uh, kind of a bigger, bigger guy. For Played that? probably about. What was it? Fournette? No, not Fournette. Long He's, ago? Yeah, probably about 10 years ago or so. Cadillac Williams? Mike Allstott? <laughs> Eric Rett? You don't want to okay, delve this... into my knowledge of Tampa Bay running uh, backs. I, I don't want to dive into your knowledge of, of running backs, period, okay? I know, where you, I know where you stand. But what I'm trying to say is that he, he just falls forward. Kind of like a Mike Tolbert. There, someone I remember. There we a go. Big Mike body Tolbert, who, Coastal Carolina yeah. pride, baby. You know, a guy who's going to fall forward, and, and even if he's not, you know, doesn't come with that burst, uh, you know, uh, through the hole, 
he's going to fall forward and get you, you know, get your yards, which is always obviously a positive. But the offensive line, even though we didn't have within that game, even though our center went out pretty early, the offensive line still did a really good job run blocking. And with Cam, uh, Cam Akers possibly coming back for the playoffs, which he's actually been cleared as of now, um, I think that it, it actually suits a little more confidence in me. It makes me feel good about this team and the possibility of them turning into a more run-heavy team uh, come the playoffs. Well, that's what I was – do you trust Sony to be able to do this in the playoffs? Because, you know, I, I think we've had enough sort of of what we've seen from Stafford, and I think we're just going to – we're going to get, you know, highs and highs and lows and lows here. So I, I think if they can trust that they can get that, you know, 25 to 30 carry – 130, 150 yards, they could probably work around Matthew Stafford. But if they go back into, you know, it's 15 carries for 50 yards, it's, you know, 18 carries for 65 yards sort of running back, I think that's where they get hurt. I I don't think it's a coincidence either that as soon as they started running the ball well, this defense has looked much more like it has looked in the uh, past couple years as well. So do you think they can get that in the playoffs from him? I I think they can get in the playoffs. I don't know if they can get it from him. And I don't think that the plan is to stick with Michelle. I think they'll utilize him more in certain situations, but I think that the plan is to ease, you know, uh, um, Cam Akers back uh, starting off, you know, he's starting to kind of get into drills right now and get him ready for the playoff. And I think he's, He's going to be the spotlight uh, when it comes to that offense for the Rams in the playoffs. Uh, so I do feel that they could do it. I just don't think they could do it with him. Um, as you mentioned, it's, it's, you know, Stafford, he's a good quarterback, but I personally would rather see this team turn to a more run heavy offense uh, and then utilize Stafford's abilities uh, during the play action or when they really need him to, uh, because they've done that more often. Uh, as of you know, the last three weeks or so, and you see what the outcome is. They actually win games when that happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next big game of the day, Bills-Patriots. Uh, we talked on Friday how big a, a game this was for the Bills and how they needed to uh, really uh, show out and uh, show up in this one. They did indeed. Uh, this was easily the best game the Bills had played all season long. Uh, Josh Allen was ridiculously good in this game making throws I think they finally bit the bullet let him carry it 12 times when they wanted to use a hammer they used him as a hammer I've mentioned it if they want that running game they're just going to have to eat it and you know feed him 10 to 15 carries a game and let him go I, I know it's probably going to hurt you down the line you can look at Cam Newton and you know similar body type similar size Carolina used him as a battering ram, and now he can no longer throw the football three yards, and we have split quarterbacks uh, down in Carolina. I don't know if that will happen in Buffalo, uh, but if you got a short window to try to work yourself into a Super Bowl, I just think you got to take advantage of that window here. I, Patriots-wise, 
it, it looked bad again on offense. Mac Jones did not look good. Uh, Damian Harris came back, I will say. Looked like he could run the ball, but uh, the Bills got up on him, so the Patriots couldn't use the same sort of tactics. But I think we're starting to see some Mac Jones warts these last couple weeks where I don't think they trust him totally uh, to run the uh, offense versus these elite uh, teams in like the Colts, in like the Bills. And I think that probably will cost them in the playoffs. Uh, I think they'll get in the playoffs. That last game of the season versus Miami might turn out to be pretty interesting. I'm assuming they will be able to pull off the win versus the Jacks this week, uh, judging from what I've seen from them. Uh, but interesting game here. What would you make of this one? Listen, you mentioned it. It shows that there's a little bit of mistrust, and I'm not saying in a, in a negative way. It just hasn't built up yet, but there's a little bit of a mistrust between you know the young rookie quarterback and the coaching staff for the New England Patriots. And it makes sense. You look back at the big games, for example, their last win versus the Bills. I know that the weather obviously has something to do with it, but they were a run-heavy team, and they really tried to do the same thing. They tried to utilize that same type of game plan. Um, obviously, it it still worked. They ran the ball really well. I believe they ended up with three touchdowns on the ground yeah. and uh, over 100 uh, yards. So they utilized the ground game well. Uh, it's just when they needed their young rookie quarterback to make certain plays that he couldn't make them. He was under 50% uh, completion percentage for the game, which is not good. You know, it's not bad. It's not horrible, but it's not good. Uh, that's not going to win you football games. And, you know, flipping it over to the uh, Bill side of the ball here, as you mentioned, Josh Allen um, had a pretty good game on the ground and he needed to, and he's going to need to, uh, as you mentioned, if they really want to go forward with him, they're going to have to utilize them and just kind of suck it up because they put themselves in a situation. We talked about it during, you know, after last season uh, in our wrap-up show, how there was a good shot that they were probably going to target some sort of running back either in the draft or in free agency because the running backs they had now just weren't cutting it. They didn't do that. They decided to go with, you know, with their backs that they have now and it's come back and bite them. There's been, very, very little production. There's been a few games here and there, but overall, very little production from the running back position. So now the quarterback, who's probably your most prized possession, has to eat one every now and then. And he also costs two hundred and forty-eight million dollars. <laughs> yeah, their most their most expensive piece. And you know, like I said, not the most ideal situation, but it's a situation they put themselves in. So now they're going to have to pay the pay the price. So yeah, uh, I just a huge win for the Bills because. Uh, they close out their season with Atlanta and the Jets at home. I'm assuming uh, they can probably win both those games pretty easy, uh, which, you know, then puts them at, uh, you know, 11-6 and six on the season, probably moves them up into uh, that two range, and uh, maybe uh, they can work themselves back into it. If this is when they can get hot, it's a good time to get hot. I, I just... I finally saw that uh, Buffalo Bills offense that we'd sort of been looking for all year long with explosive plays. Uh, you know, Josh Allen making great plays out of the pocket uh, with throws. Uh, a handful of those throws to Isaiah McKenzie in the slot were uh, just uh, ridiculous there. So uh, good to see Buffalo maybe getting back on track and uh, we get a, a couple decent, uh, you know, AFC playoff uh, games uh, coming up uh, with a, a couple of uh, elite-level teams that uh, maybe in the midseason we didn't think were being so elite, and now towards the end of the season uh, they're starting to look like the uh, best teams in the league. Uh, 
who is not the best teams in the league, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars went to the New York Jets. Uh, yes, they were allowed to play this football game. Uh, Jets won it 26-21. Um, granted, the Jags drove down and, of course, fell flat on their space and couldn't get the ball in uh, to win the game. But uh, I don't know what to say about this one. I, I thought Zach Wilson looked okay. Granted, his numbers weren't amazing. He did have that nice touchdown run. Uh, the Jets looked uh, creepingly be getting a little bit better from week to week. Uh, that's about all I can say. I Both these teams are awful. Granted, uh, the Jets are not the worst team in New York. Uh, we'll get uh, to them in a second. Uh, we might have to rehash your uh, also uh, sleeper pick of the Giants in our uh, preseason <laughs> preview show. Uh, but what do you make of Jets, Jacks? Yeah, you just, you just got to rub it in once a week, don't you? <laughs> oh, you're so bad. Um, listen, both these teams are pretty bad. They're in bad situations. Uh, I was trying to look down at my notes really quick so I could try to come up with something to talk about in this game since I didn't get to watch too much of it. But realistically, the only thing that stood out, I I know (laughs) the only thing that stood out was really the only play that I actually watched, which was that, uh, that was a 52 yard run. Yes. Uh, But listen, and uh, I just found out today that that is the longest rushing uh, play by a quarterback in Jets history. Wow. Which is a little shocking. (laughs) Uh, I know it's a big play, but, I, I, for some weird reason, I feel like I had seen a longer one at some point. I don't know. I think you're forgetting your list of uh, Jets quarterbacks. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> you know, don't refresh my memory. You might want to go look up Joe Namath's uh, stats. They might uh, not wow you as much as uh, people think. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, Jets, Jags. Uh, Trevor Lawrence continues to not throw touchdown passes, which I find uh, truly amazing. But uh, other than that, uh, pick. N- no pick this one. So uh, that is uh, good. Uh, we'll move on to the next one. Uh, speaking of the other New York team, uh, the sleeper team for Achilles reign uh, possibly is the worst team I've ever seen play football. <laughs> the Eagles did not even play well in this game was a joke. Um, I don't know what Joe Judge, uh, if he comes back, I will be amazed. But uh, the Murrs already said he was coming back. I can sort of understand Daniel Jones coming back, but uh, he seems like he gets hurt, you know, once a season and misses a five-week block. Uh, But uh, the Eagles are winning and uh, seem to be hitting the uh, sort of Dolphins luck here where they're writing a nice level of really bad teams uh, where they played Washington, uh, who literally had no one on the field that was originally on their roster, and then go against this uh, Giants makeup. So the Eagles are closing the season. I don't know how real it is, but uh, what'd you make of this game? Listen, yes, okay, it was my sleeper pick at the beginning of the year. Also, are we disturbed that Devontae Booker is a better running back than Saquon Barkley at this point? I just don't know what's going on here. Now, listen, I expected this whole division to be better. And, you know, other than Washington for that little stretch where they were actually playing good football and, you know, the Cowboys who, listen, they're winning games. And, uh, you know, this week they look good. But realistically speaking, they haven't been all that great over the last couple of weeks. Uh, I thought they would all do better. Uh, There's a couple of teams that are okay there. But I didn't watch too much of this game and right understandably so 
there wasn't too much to watch here. As you mentioned, there's, I don't know what's going on with Saquon. I don't know if the injuries are catching up to him or they're just trying to not utilize him as much and, and kind of wear on him so that they can save him for next season. I don't know what the plan is here, but it just looks bad, man. It looks bad. I think that sums that game up. It just yeah. looks bad. Uh, we'll go on to the next one. That just looks bad. Uh, this one was a dynamite killer. The Chicago Bears, 25. The Seattle Seahawks, uh, 24. Um, these are two really bad teams as well. Nick Foles got the start. Uh, looked okay. Russell Wilson um, continues uh, to look mediocre i i would say and you know we can recap this game a little bit nice win by the bears i don't know what it means i'm assuming Nagy still gets fired um the seahawks are bad we've known that so uh i'll get into some russell wilson stuff you give me your analysis of this game other than uh two teams playing bad football uh nice two-point call at the end i will say <laughs> Yeah, that's just good. Gutsy, man. That was gutsy. I was trying to figure out what was going on there. I was like, why wouldn't you just kick the extra point? But shows shows why I'm sitting on the couch watching them, and they're actually out on the field. Well, Nagy's uh, going to be sitting on the couch with you next year. So, <laughs> listen, I, I thought I thought the uh, the Seahawks came out and did a pretty good job at really implementing their game plan, which was to really kind of uh, come after the counteract the uh, the pass rushing ability of this Bears defense. And just kind of running straight at them, and uh, Penny had a pretty good game. He, yeah. he rushed for over a hundred, I believe. Yeah, uh, and was able to get a couple, you know, score on the ground. This, I'm accustomed to watching. Uh, the Seahawks team looks like there's something going on in the background that we don't know of. I think there's there's bigger issues here at play. I won't get too much. In- really making a game of it and made a comeback and obviously ended up pulling off and getting the win. But I didn't think Seattle looked horrible, but they just don't look like Seattle. And yeah. that's the biggest tell here. Yeah. I, I don't know if this is a rebuild or not, but I, I just wanted to, you go back to last year and Russell Wilson's probably, you know, last half of the season, last third of the season. I don't think he looked all that great. He has not looked all that great this year. Some of that might be the finger. We don't totally know. You know, rumors are flying around that, you know, he might be on the market, you know, coming into next season. I'm just curious, if you were a team, say, you know, said Giants, Carolina, Houston, New Orleans, would you sort of grab Russell Wilson? I'm just, I'd be a little hesitant, especially since he's, you know, that's $35 million into your cap you're going to have to trade for. And we've now seen probably a year and a half work worth of work where it doesn't look like the same Russell Wilson in previous seasons. Okay, I would. And let me explain myself why. I've seen enough of Russell Wilson, not just over this year or last year, but over his career to know that this guy's magic. There are certain guys that just have that it factor, you know, it's the intangibles, the things that you can't put on tape or you can't put on tape, things you can't put in a book, you know, as far as like uh, the measurables go, like height, you know, vertical, speed, all, all that stuff's nice and it looks really good on paper. But there's certain things that you just can't put down on paper and this guy's got it. And 
it's hard. This is one of the reasons why I can't really count this guy out. You know, yes, I picked against him this week, but it's because the team as a whole is not playing well. It's not so much because of him. He doesn't look like himself right now. I think that he probably rushed that injury trying to make, you know, a, a playoff run and try a playoff push and, and sneak into the playoffs. So I think he rushed his, his comeback. I don't think he was ready to come back. And I think it shows, but I also think that there's bigger issues here at play. So if I was a, you know, just a, a football team fan, which we're in need of a quarterback, I'm jumping on it. I'm jumping on Russell Wilson, former, you know, Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. Bring him on, man. Definitely. I'll take on that. Even though, you know, it's going to be an expensive take. How many guys do you pay that don't do anything? Look at, uh, the Texans, for example, with Watson, they're paying this guy to basically sit on the couch. So I don't think it's going to be money wasted to bring someone in who's at least a proven winner who could possibly change the energy within an organization as far as like the mentality goes when it comes to winning. You know, this guy, he's been a winner pretty much since he came into the league. You know, he, he was overlooked because of his size and he's just made magic happen since he's been in the NFL. So if I would, if I had the ability to go after a guy like him, I would snag him up in a minute. If you had to give up three first round picks. That's where it starts to get a little weird. Uh, I don't know what the asking price for a guy like that would be. Obviously we can look at the whole Deshaun Watson situation and kind of get a feel for it. But Deshaun Watson, I think never happened. So how do you put a value in it? I don't know. I guess we'll find out during the off season. Yeah. I, I think I'd be more willing to gamble on it if it was like one and maybe like your quarterback, uh, I, I don't think the Texans have any first-round picks. Uh, but if I was, say, Carolina, um, I'd be like my first-round pick and maybe, you know, one of my young defensive guys, maybe, you know, one of my offensive guys, maybe McCaffrey. <laughs> Though I don't know if anybody wants that. Uh, three games of greatness, uh, 15 games of nothing. Uh, but something like that, uh, maybe I would. I don't know if I give up multiple first-round picks until I – I just don't know if you could trust it because I've watched now a year and a half. I don't know how much that finger – that's the only thing is bugging him this year, and that's why it is. But, I mean, they have DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett. You know, they bring Penny out, but, you know, who's ever running on the running back side seems to be able to do things. So it's not like he doesn't have weapons, which is sort of what concerns me a little bit and would make me a little bit more cautious giving up multiple first-round picks. Now, if it's one, uh, you know, that's just like taking a quarterback in the first round. It's hit or miss, and you come back, you know, a year or two later on the drawing board. But this is the thing, okay? When I'm watching Russell Wilson play, you go back to last week, he had this huge play where the play broke down and he, you know, he kind of rolled out to the right side and then he's just flung it and he ended up finding uh lock it out. So his numbers looking really bad over the last couple of weeks, he's making this, you know, these magical plays happen. So he still has that touch. He can still make these, these big plays and big moments. I just think that, yes, I think he's banged up, but I also think there's something else. I think there's some sort of disgruntledness going on there. Uh, and, Obviously, every team's going to do their due diligence, you know, prior to signing anything or making any big moves like that. So I think they'll know if it's something else with the finger, but I think it's worth a look, yeah. especially if the price is right. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next game. Chiefs 36, Steelers 10. Um, not much of a game. I, I don't think either of us thought it would be a game. For some reason, CBS um, 
I don't know, was watching the Steelers and the Chiefs uh, play in the 1970s or something uh, because uh, they clearly haven't watched the Steelers offense play this season because there was zero chance that uh, Ben Roethlisberger was going to be able to complete passes uh, under the uh, pressure that the Chiefs were going to cause. This was probably always going to be a bit of a blowout with or without Kelsey, and it was. So uh, 36-10 Chiefs, um, what do you make of this game? Uh, I just... It sort of went how I thought it was going to go. Uh, the Chiefs just seem to be rolling downhill right now. I'll be honest with you. Now, I, I still thought the Chiefs were going to were going to win, but just based off the way the Steelers somehow managed to get themselves to be in games and the way the Chiefs played pretty much all season long up until about four weeks ago, I thought that there was a possibility where maybe we saw just a bit of, you know, of a regression from the Chiefs enough to where it kept Pittsburgh at least within striking distance. Um, but that wasn't even the case. This just wasn't even a close game. Uh, the Chiefs looked just about as good as they've had pretty much all season long going up against what a lot of people consider a really good defense. So I, I think it's a confidence boost going forward for the offense who hasn't looked great this year. Um, and it's definitely a confidence boost for that defense which has been playing a lot better as of recently, uh, basically when their success started turning around, that's when, you know, everything it, it happened because of the defense. The defense really would turn that season around. Yeah, definitely so. All right, we'll move on uh, past that game and uh, go to the Broncos and the Raiders. I mentioned how, you know, really how bad this game was. Uh, the Raiders uh, pretty much dominated this game, and if they hadn't made, uh, you know, Basically, three stupid turnovers. Uh, Josh Jacobs decides to just drop a football and fumble, and uh, the Broncos get three points. Uh, Derek Carr decided to throw a screen pass basically to uh, Bradley Chubb uh, with 30 seconds to go, which almost turned into a pick six, which led to the uh, Broncos' uh, 10th point of the day. And then there was a you know another sack fumble by Derek Carr where he got sloppy with the football. Uh, but basically, the Broncos' offense did nothing. Um, I have no clue why uh, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon had 14 total carries combined, and they decided to throw the ball 22 times with uh, Drew Locke. Uh, but I've sort of been confused by what the Broncos want to do on offense all season long. Uh, they have two pretty good running backs, and they seem to want to throw, even though both quarterbacks they rotate in there are, are not capable of throwing. I know they have good receivers, uh, but once again, this becomes a Carolina situation. Um, if you can't throw the football, the receivers don't really matter, but the uh, Raiders got the win and uh, get to 8-7, and seven, so what'd you make of this one? Yeah, I mean, overall, listen, it was a big win for the Raiders. It keeps them in contention for a playoff spot here. They obviously have a little bit of work to do going forward in order to get themselves in a position to get in, but you know it it at least keeps the light on uh, you know as far as playoff hopes go. But I, what little I watched of this game, I I thought went exactly how I you know would go. You know both teams are struggling, and even though they started off pretty hot, um, they're currently in a, in a situation where every game has to be either a win or at least uh, you know a tie because they're in a situation where they can't afford to lose any more games. They're playing too bad to be able to really be considered a threat. Uh, and they're too good to be considered bottom dwellers. So they're in a weird spot. Um, as you mentioned, there was, there was a situation there where 
I thought the Raiders were going to run away with this game. And then they started making, you know, boneheaded mistakes, which is typical of this Raiders over the last, what, six to eight weeks. Uh, and I mean, it's just same, same old, same old with both of these teams. Same thing with the Broncos. You know, we all assumed that at some point they were going to start utilizing their running backs since they started going away from lock uh, in the beginning of the year. And now we're towards the end of the season and they're going back to their old ways again. It just doesn't change with these guys. This is the reason why we consider them, you know, on the bottom half of the uh, of of the good bad teams. Here. Yes, I think that sums it up pretty good. Also, a brilliant coaching maneuver for uh, Vic Fangio. I wanted to say, uh, goes for it on fourth and two with three minutes to go, uh, and uh, gets it. Then proceeds to punt on fourth and fifteen with. 30 more seconds gone off the clock and you haven't stopped Josh Jacobs all day. Uh, and they never got the ball back. So uh dynamite coaching job there. Go for it on fourth and two uh, advance 10 yards and then decide to uh, not go for it the next time it's fourth down. Um, don't know where that's in the coaching book, but uh, Hey, uh, whatever. Uh, it's not, must my have not read it. Cause that was, that was page one. <laughs> It's not my money. I'm paying to someone to manage a football team and game situations. Um, I don't know how much we're going to go in depth here. 56-14 Dallas Cowboys. Uh, they finally looked uh, pretty solid. Uh, I, I thought Dak looked uh, pretty good here. Uh, did throw four touchdowns. Um, but this is uh, Washington. One has 400 billion people on the COVID list. They haven't been able to practice. I think this was their second game in about five days. Uh, so, you know, nice to see the Cowboys can score again, but I don't quite know how much I'm deriving off this uh, in the Washington game. Uh, I'm curious on your thought. You know, yeah, I, I understand that Washington had a lot of players, you know, in the COVID list. And the, as you mentioned, they didn't get a chance to really practice at all. Uh, but I really expect to see at least a little bit more of a fight from this team, especially after the way they got beat the last time they faced against each other. Um, and I also expected a little bit of a letdown from this Cowboys team based off the fact that they had locked up a playoff spot prior to even, you know, playing the game. Um, but that was the complete opposite of what actually happened. They came out and they were swinging and they had a really good game on offense. They had a really good game on defense and they completely shut the Washington football team down, which, not surprising, but a little unexpected. At least, you know, you expect some fight, and it just didn't happen. So kudos to Dallas. Congratulations for a playoff win. And uh, I believe I read this morning that this is the most points they've scored since 1980. And this is, you know, Dallas. We're talking about Dallas in the 90s, and this is the most points they've scored since the 80s. So, you know, a good win for them and a good showing. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, we'll see if they can carry this over uh, in that Eagles contest. I, I think uh, – they got Cardinals, they got Eagles to close out the season. I, I think that'll be uh, really uh, a nice test to see where the Cowboys uh, sort of sit to close out the year. Uh, we'll move to the other game. I don't know how much we could talk about. No Sean Payton, emergency quarterback Ian Book, who's a uh, you know, rookie out of Notre Dame and is not really an NFL-level quarterback. Uh, Dolphins basically didn't have to do much other than uh, 
you know, sort of show up, blitz the crap out of the rookie kid, force him into a couple mistakes, uh, don't make mistakes yourself all that much, and win 23. So uh, the season's starting to fall right for the Dolphins after it not falling right at the start. It's sort of, uh, you know, mirrored uh, from first. They got that Ravens win, and then everything seemed to fall in their place here, especially with the Saints game. But uh, I don't know anything in this game you – I. There's nothing. They're playing no quarterback. They have no receivers. Basically, it was hope Alvin Kamara breaks one or two, but when the whole defense knows that's who's getting the ball, it's a little bit difficult to do anything. You know, just a couple of things on this game really quick. One, you know, the Dolphins, we haven't really talked about the Dolphins. I know we've mentioned it a few times on the show, but people aren't really talking about the Dolphins, and rightfully so because they're not wowing you with great defense. Uh, like a shutdown defense. They're not wowing you with, you know, a killer offense, but they started off the season. zero and seven, I believe one and seven. And they won that first game versus new England. Remember Uh, Harris fumbled and, and they've won They're eight and seven. Now after losing seven games, I, I mean, that's, I haven't been pretty, but they're getting wins, and that's all that matters. And, uh, you know, now they're, they've got a good shot at making a playoff spot here. So good for them. And uh, another thing, when we were talking about that Colt, they'd be willing to come out of retirement to play one game. And I don't know how the free. Rivers and asked him if he'd want to come out of retirement for one game. Yeah, I, I did hear Breeze and Rivers got phone calls. Uh, I don't know if that would have been better or worse <laughs> to dust those guys off, but uh, I did wonder why they, they signed Bortles. Now, I, I did wonder why they didn't just throw him in the mix. I mean, at least, I mean, that's an NFL-level quarterback. Now, granted, he showed up on Thursday, so, you know, but... Uh, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that Peyton's... Uh... for the actual uh, game. Yeah. All right. Uh, that wraps up our week. We'll get to our best and worst of the week. What do you got for best on the offensive side of things here? Uh, for best of the week on offense, uh, I think it's obvious. I'm going with the Cincy quarterback, Joe Burrow. Uh, the kid had an explosive game defeating a divisional foe and hobbled uh, Ravens team while throwing for 525 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going to go with Rex Burkhead. Now, granted, uh, it was versus a minor league defense, but uh, nonetheless, Rex Burkhead, uh, 24 carries, 155 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, You know, I I don't think you can do much better than that. So Rex Burkhead gets my offensive player of the week. Where are you going on the defensive side of things? Going with a safety from Buffalo, Micah Hyde. Uh, Hyde played a great game in a highly important matchup versus divisional opponent, uh, New England Patriots. The surprising New England Patriots at that. Uh, Yet when they needed to make other plays, Hyde was there to shut it down. He ended the game with three. He and his team, the win. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans defense. Uh, I, I know it was on Thursday, but uh, they really showed up, and uh, when they needed to make a handful of plays, uh, they really did and shut down this uh, Niners team here. So uh, I'm going with the Tennessee Titans defense. They've been a little bit behind the eight ball because uh, – this team's offense has been so poor, it, it continues to be uh, pretty poor. But the defense has stepped up here. And uh, to really shut down the Niners in the second half, force Jimmy into a couple picks there, uh, really, really impressive. So the Tennessee Titans defense for me uh, off that Thursday game. All right, uh, Coach of the Week. Uh, for Coach of the Week, a uh, quick shout-out to Coach McDermott for uh... – Countering with Coach Belichick had game plan, but the honor here goes to David Coley from the Houston Texans. For a team that's basically been the butt of the joke all season long, uh, Coach got his guys ready to play as huge underdogs versus the, as of now, just out of the playoffs chargers and whooped them. Uh, this team deserves some love. Yeah, uh, I'm going with McDermott. Uh, I gave uh him a lot of slack for that uh, Patriots game and then uh, sort of dissing Bill uh, uh, because he got shown up. Uh, he came back, uh, busted his butt. They came out with a great game plan in this game. So uh, when you do bad, we hammer you. When you do good, we praise you. I thought McDermott's game plan in this one, uh, really, really good. Great win in New England on this one. So uh, Sean McDermott, uh, Coach of the Week. All right, let's go to the worst side of things. On the offensive side of things, where are you going? For worst of the week on offense, I'm going. You can't with... use the whole Giants team. Oh no! Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going to use the. I'm not going to use the entire Giants team. I'm going with the entire Carolina Panthers <laughs> offensive department. Honestly, I feel bad for any Panther fan. They don't deserve this. McCaffrey is never healthy. Heck, a lot of them can't stay healthy. I know. Not, I know. Watching a quarterback eat up yards on the ground looks cool, uh, but Cam is not good enough anymore to be a starting quarterback. Uh, why even include him in the game plan when your uh, starting quarterback is healthy enough to play? I know the Bucks are obviously tough, uh, but not even one touchdown, not even a garbage time touchdown. Ugh, the entire offensive unit stinks. Yeah. Uh, Carolina. This is a uh, low hanging fruit, but uh, I got to go with Jake Fromm on the Giants. Uh, six of 17, 25 yards, interception, and uh, then gets pulled midway through the game for Mike Glennon. Now, uh, I, I probably should throw Joe Judge in there because uh, basically you throw a rookie quarterback uh, uh, in there. Uh, versus uh, the Eagles who are fighting for a playoff spot. I don't know what you expect, and uh, I don't know what you get from switching to Mike Glennon. <laughs> I guess it only becomes 34-10 instead of 44-10, uh, but, yeah, Jake Fromm was awful in that game. So uh, Jake Fromm for me on the worst of the week. Uh, on the defensive side of things, where are you going? Um, I'm assuming <laughs> I can know where this goes. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm not going to read the Panthers here, all right? But I will give Pittsburgh a hard time. Uh, as you mentioned a little while ago, when teams play well, we give them praise. And when they don't, they got to get a little bit of a, of a hard time here. Uh, but I'm just being fair. I don't think many expected them to win, but to allow Patrick Mahomes, who, although he's played better, hasn't been himself all year long, to miss only seven pass attempts, to throw for over 250 yards, three touchdowns, to allow the running back committee to rush for over 100 yards when your best asset is your defense, you're going to get a little bit of haterade thrown your way. Yeah, definitely so. 
I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, granted, uh, Rex Burkhead was my offensive player of the week, but uh, <laughs> basically, uh, granted, it makes sense, though. Bosa was out, Darwin James was out, so they were on a little bit of a handicap. But uh, when Rex Burkhead uh, torches you for 150-plus yards and uh, Davis Mills goes 21-27 for 254 and two touchdowns, mind you, Brandon Cooks was out of this game, (laughs) which was basically their only offensive weapon to speak of the whole season. Um, I don't care if your best players are on there. That's a no. And, uh, yeah, the Chargers, their defensive line, their linebackers, their safeties, all – uh, just terrible. So Chargers, worst of the week on the defensive side of things. Where are you going on the coaching side of things here? Uh, for worst of the week on coaching, I, I actually think he's a pretty darn good coach here, but uh, Pete Kara of the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, and the only reason he gets his nod is because I think he's lost that locker room. Uh, the Hawks didn't play horrible, but they still managed to lose to the now 5-10 and 10 Bears, led by Nick Foles. And uh, this loss, uh, it marks the first time that uh, Coach Carroll has had double-digit losses in the season. So, worst of the week for Coach, Pete Carroll. Yeah, uh, I got to go Matt Rule here. Uh, The comments with Jay-Z are more funny and dumb than actual bad coaching, but uh, the two quarterback systems uh, with two quarterbacks who probably should not be playing in the NFL anyway uh, just seems ridiculous and dumb and uh, I just can't overlook that so uh, Matt Rule who I I thought would be you know a success in the NFL I I think he's a really smart coach but uh, he hasn't quite figured out this thing with Carolina uh, just yet and uh, granted he's not had you know, quarterbacks to work with and, you know, Kishton McCaffrey, who they're paying a ton of money to, is never on the field. So I got some sympathy there, uh, but you don't compound it uh, with doing what you did uh, this weekend versus the Bucks. So Matt Rule on my worst of the week. Yeah, see, I knew you were going to go with Carolina for that one. That's why I didn't pick him. <laughs> All right, that's our show. Be sure to join us on Friday as we give our picks and analysis of each game. No Thursday game, no Saturday game. All Sunday slate uh, this week. Uh, so it should be a fun one to go down. We'll see uh, if we can... Uh, find out who's going to be in and out uh, by Friday. So we have a little decent basis to uh, analyze off of. But anyway, be sure to join us. Where can we find you, Achilles? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles. All right. That's our show, and we're out.